Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panonto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how is it going? It's going all right, Nick. How are you? I'm good. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you. <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate the holiday tidings, I've seen no movies about Christmas. I saw one movie about Christmas. Oh, is that the only thing you saw? No. Today I will be reviewing A Christmas Story, Bombshell, and Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, How about you, you saw it. I, I saw two movies. One of them is called Code 8, which came out earlier this year. Uh, I think this month, actually. And the other movie is called London Has Fallen. Oh, Lord. Hmm. Uh... <laughs> The sequel to Olympus Has Fallen and part two of the Has Fallen trilogy. Oh boy. But Matt, since you have seen the most the movies this stuff. week, why don't you begin with one of your selections? All right. Sure. Let's do the Christmas story and, you know, round out the holiday. I, I'm not going to say a ton about a Christmas story, but generally speaking, I'm a, I, I hope, you know, spoiler alert on my opinion, I hope... All of the listeners have gotten to see this movie. But the quote-unquote plot is that there's a a kid in the 40s who really wants a BB gun for Christmas. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) The the rest of the movie, that's definitely not like the whole point of the movie. The point is just like Christmas. And what it's like for families and what it's like to be a kid. And that's what the rest of it is. It's 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 very like just episodic. There's one thing after another, just kind of here are things that happen in this kid's life and it's done right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be t- I'll be talking about another movie where things just happen. Not done right. <laughs> this movie, however, <laughs> is that done right. And it's and it's just it's perfect this movie's so great you've got a narrator telling you what's going on telling you what the kid's thinking what life was like from his own perspective and the narrator is a guy named gene shepherd and the match between this guy's voice and peter billingsley the kid playing the kid it's just awesome kid's name is ralphie by the way everything is like i don't i don't know qu- quite what the right word is for it but it, it it fits together perfectly. There's this music. It's it's very self-aware. It's not it's not exactly like tongue in cheek, but it's between the music and the acting and these little dream sequences that happen. It's very much like, hey, we know we all know what it's like to be a kid and sort of imagine things from this weird over dramatized perspective. The acting in this movie's perfect. The casting's perfect. The atmosphere of it just fits for the the setting that the setting in terms of time not that i know what it's like to be alive in the 40s but this is like an 80s movie came out in 83 and it has this nostalgia for me of of 83 but also like you know going back to i guess the 40s you know and so i i'm i may be skewed on this you know i, I a lot of people this, this seems to be one of those divisive movies like people either love it or hate it um oh, hate this movie yeah, yeah, I, I've known quite a few people who who don't like it because they think it's mean, and I sort of understand that. Like, it, it is kind of, there's some darkness to it, there is some, some sort of 
kind of cruelty, but it's like, it's just sort of realistic kid cruelty. And when I was a kid, I remember this movie being kind of dark. As an adult, though, like looking back on it, I'm like, it doesn't feel dark now. It just seems kind of like it, it just makes sense. So like there's there's like bullying and stuff like that throughout the movie. And looking back on that as an adult and those themes where I guess it, it maybe dark isn't quite the right word, but there's like there's pain involved, like kids being worried about upsetting their parents or getting yelled at and stuff like that. And for me at this age, like looking back, seeing those things in the movie, it's just like that just sort of makes sense. And it feels more real and authentic. There's something about this movie that feels like the most real movie I can think of about what it's like being a kid. And that just, I don't know, there's something about it just super and it rings true. It's just enjoyable. Like every scene has got stuff to offer. And I realized watching it the other day, how much every time I see it, there are little things that I've never caught. No, no matter how many times I watch this movie, there are just little things I've never caught. And so so this time around, one of the things that I noticed was there's a moment where Ralphie's like writing a an essay to his teacher about mm-hmm. um getting his, his why he wants a BB gun for Christmas. And as he's writing it, it's like you know, it's, 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 it's kid writing. It's like, you know, I want it cause it's great and stuff like that. It's just, yeah. you know, kind of goofy and very, very simple language. Yeah. And he says to himself, the narrator speaking over it. And again, you know, it just kind of goes perfectly with what's going on. Then Ralphie in the movie, not, not in the voiceover, but, but there while he's writing just kind of whispers to himself. He's like, that's great. And it's so perfect. And it's just this little joke. And and that's how a lot of these things are in this movie. They're just kind of really quiet jokes. And yeah, I, I don't have much more to say about it. I, I totally love it. If if we were to go through this movie just like scene by scene, I'd just be like, yep, I love that scene. I love the next scene. I did notice this time around that the little brother looks a lot like Tom Hardy, which I had never noticed before. Oh, really? Like a six-year-old Tom Hardy. Or maybe seven year old. I don't know how old kids are. It's it's been a couple of years since I've seen it, but I I've seen it enough. You know, like TNT does the twenty four hours of the Christmas story, and we would have that on like a constant loop for I think every year for like ten years or whatever. Uh-huh. And you know how you've seen a movie enough times where you're like, I don't want to watch that again. But like thinking about it makes me want to see it. Like while you were talking about it, there's like that scene where there's the whole sequence where Ralphie's beating the crap. Like, Ralphie's finally had enough, and he's beating the crap out of the bully. And while he's, like, punching the kid in the face, he's he's swearing and crying because he's, like, completely out of control of his emotions. Uh-huh. And his, his mom comes across him, and his friends are like, dude, it's your mom! It's your mom! Stop! <laughs> and then the mom is, like... The mom is, like, pissed off about everything, but she's mostly upset about the swearing. And so she, like, gets him at home, and she sits him down, and she's, like, washing his mouth out with soap. And no, he- that's that's from a different scene in the movie. That's from him cursing when his dad's taken off the, the oh, tire. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting them confused. Well, they both kind of... Well, it all plays into that, that sequence where she, he's, she's washing his mouth out with soap, and she's just, like, sitting there with him, and he's just kind of like... Ugh. Like dry heaving, and she takes the soap out of his mouth and she goes, Where'd you hear it from? And he's like, Well, I could say my dad, which would be the truth, but that won't get me off the hook. So, and he rats out at like a friend of his, like almost immediately. And so she calls the friend's mom 
And the mom on the phone says, do you know where he heard that language? And the friend's mom says, yeah, probably from his father. <laughs> and right. She goes, what? No, he heard it from your son. And then the, the other mom goes off. Like you just hear her drop the yeah. phone and then she what? just starts. What I do? What I do, mom? What I do, mom? What I do? What I do? What I do? And she's just beating the shit out of him. <laughs> and they like cuts to Ralphie, who's like still, I guess, crying or whatever from having to eat the soap and he's like i knew over to like five blocks over phil was getting his <laughs> he's like mm-hmm. he's like he feels bad about it but at the same time he's like i don't have soap in my mouth anymore oh man you're like what you say about like it encapsulates what it means to be a child perfectly is is absolutely true like that's mm-hmm. the movie takes place in the 40s but it's kind of timeless except for the yeah. the casual child abuse right but such was the time at the time of the time. But yeah, yeah, the the rest of the the ideas still, even something like that, the ideas still are sort of universal in yeah. terms of time. No kid wants to wants to get in trouble kind of a thing like like dude, it's your mom. That's a universal fear, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> but yeah, what a what a great movie. It's oh, it, and it was a it was a total bomb when it was originally released. Mhm. It it's did just, but it's grown it so much since. Yeah. To the, the point now, I think, like, the house from the movie is, like, a tourist attraction in Cleveland or Cincinnati, one of those Ohio larger cities. Oh. Yeah, actually, you know what? That sounds vaguely familiar. But it, but Karina was watching it with me, and she looked up something and said it was filmed in Canada. But maybe maybe some of it is and some of it's uh, not. <laughs> the house isn't. But anyway. Well, and you know, she's mm. she, she didn't like the movie before we watched it and then we watched it the other day and she was she actually enjoyed it oh okay so we could sort of won her over <laughs> <laughs> take that individual thought <laughs> but yeah that's 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 all i got on it that's all i gotta say wow the christmas story <laughs> <laughs> great movie. Uh, check it great out. movie all right so i'm gonna talk about one of my movies now and i'm unsure of which one to start with so i guess i'll start with what everyone's dying to hear about, London Has Fallen, the 2016 movie directed by Babak Nad Jaffe. It stars Gerard Butler as American Secret Service agent Mike Banning. Again, I'm stealing the We Hate Movies <laughs> imitation I, I don't of think Gerard they, Butler. I don't think they own scottish accents yeah but i'm definitely doing their impression of it like i'm totally aware (laughs) that i'm that i'm doing their i'm doing an impression of their impression aaron eckhart as president aaron eckhart morgan freeman is apparently in this movie and not angelica houston christ uh angela bassett angela bassett thank you from the first one also a couple other people from the first one return like from the situation room they're also in the situation room in this second movie like robert forster or forster from uh jackie brown that's the biggest movie i can think of him in of modern times i believe he was an alligator <laughs> is that a movie about a girl named Allie who turns into an alligator nope well we should make that movie sure it sounds like it would be better than London has fallen because this was one of the worst things I've ever seen. It was <laughs> terrible. I mean, really, really bad. It, was, it, it failed in all the ways that the first movie struggled to succeed. This movie completely failed all of them. 
It's poorly shot. It's really badly edited. The sound isn't super great, which isn't something that I normally notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just awful. So the premise of this movie is uh, the movie starts off with U.S. drone strike on some wedding of uh, some wedding in Pakistan or India. Not entirely. I don't remember. And the the family that is getting married, like her dad's like this huge terrorist guy and the U.S. military is like, let's take him out. And they take him out. And then later they try to say, well, we didn't know his family was there. But meanwhile, it's at this huge wedding and there are like hundreds of people around. So they blow up this wedding and all of the important people survive. But I guess everyone who didn't have a line in the movie is dead. So... That's like your that's like your inciting incident. Also, one of the dude's sons loses his legs and he rolls around in Charles Xavier's wheelchair for much of the movie. It then says two years later, and I don't know if that means it's two years after the events of the first film, because it's it's not clear, but they do reference the president Aaron Eckhart's re-election, which was an issue in the first movie was that he was campaigning for re-election and I guess he got re-elected. But this movie at no point references the events of the first movie. There's not a nod. There's not a, hey, remember that thing a couple years ago when this whole building got destroyed? Because it starts out there just in the White House and chit-chatting here and there. And everything is totally fixed. Everything looks like it did the day one. And no one mentions anything. The president's kid is not in this movie. They write him out. And the one instance when they're going to talk to the kid where he's going to get to have a line in this sequel, a guy brings over a laptop and he's like mr president i have your son on like facetime video chat or whatever and the president's like oh great i'd love to talk to my son but then he gets a phone call and the guy on the phone is like mr president you have to take this call instead and so he just kind of hangs up on his son so we never get to see him or hear from him because he's got to talk to this important guy on the phone who tells him that the british prime minister has suddenly died oh. which is yeah so now the president and all the world leaders of the world have to come to London to attend the British prime minister's funeral. And there you go. Now you've got all the world leaders in one place. Then we get uh -oh. to see American secret service agent, Mike Banning. So in the first movie, he and his, I want to say girlfriend, the nurse lady are living in this small apartment somewhere in Washington, DC, but they have since upgraded to a giant mansion somewhere in Washington, D.C., and she's pregnant, and he is expecting his first child. And I looked up Gerard Butler, and he's like 50 years old, I want to say. He was born in 1969, so that puts him at like 50, right, on the dot? Oh, then yeah. Yeah, I feel like he's a little he's he one. He looks a little too old to be having his first child. And then two, he just looks old in this movie. He looks old and tired. So anyway, his wife is pregnant and then he's getting ready to quit the the secret service because he, he, he just wants to resign. And then this thing happens with the British prime minister. So he has to go with the president to London for this thing. And while they're there, everything goes wrong. And Gerard Butler and President Aaron Eckhart have to run through the streets of London, evading various groups of terrorists as they try to get the American president to freedom while all the other world leaders die horribly. It's, <laughs> it is 
insane. The sequence where the terrorists make their move, they kill the leader of Italy, France, Japan. The British prime minister is already dead, and that was part of their plan. So that's also one of their kills. Did I say France? I think so. France and France. And then they blow up a bridge. They blow up the famous cathedral that I can't remember the name of. They blow up all these landmarks and stuff and kill all these people. And then all the terrorists are dressed like British police officers. So nobody knows who's who. And it is silly. It's so stupid. It was not fun to watch. I did not enjoy this movie. I did laugh a lot, but I laughed a lot because I kept going, what? Why? So that's that. Like I said, Morgan Freeman is is barely in this movie. And there is a, I swear that there's a sequence where he and Gerard Butler pass each other in a hallway. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to put money on the fact that they were not together. Like they shot these two scenes totally. Yeah. Because the shot that they have of like, that's just a shot of Gerard Butler walking towards the camera. And then it cuts to Morgan Freeman walking towards the camera. And he's like, hello. I'm Morgan Freeman. And Gerard Butler's like, hello, Morgan Freeman. How are you? And then they share like a laugh together, but it just keeps cutting in between the two of them. And then as Gerard Butler says his goodbyes, you just see an older man with puffy white hair walk away. And I'm like, that's not Morgan Freeman. There's no way that that's Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and then, like, There's no way these two were in this movie together. Did they just add Morgan Freeman like at the last minute to make it seem like he was in the movie? Also, he's been promoted to vice president because the vice president was executed in the first movie. So I, I guess that's how it works. The speaker of the house becomes the vice president. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know yeah, how that, that works, but like the president has since been reelected. So I guess he gets to pick his running mate again. But I don't know. Maybe they just went with the. Uh, they went with what worked. Anyway, this movie was dumb. Is is dumb. I can't wait to watch the third one. <laughs> the third one is supposed to be much better. So I can't wait to watch that. So forget about this movie forever. Uh, I'm I'm having a hard time recalling now. Did you did you enjoy the first one? I liked it good enough. Like it was it was bad, but it was entertaining. Okay. And this movie it has a. Like a bunch of, it tries to do a bunch of twists and turns and introduce new characters. And you're just like, this is stupid. One of the, the main twists of the movie at the end is that one of the heads of the British Secret Service has betrayed everyone. And that's how all this was able to go down as smoothly as it did. And it's dumb. It's stupid. And you're just like, this is, I could be leaving right now. I could be done with this movie if it wasn't for this scene. Please end. What was Uh, it that sold you on needing to watch this trilogy? I can't, I don't know. It was something about seeing the plot of the third movie where like the plot of the third movie from what I've, from what I've read from the description is that the Gerard Butler is suspected of trying to assassinate the president Uh and he's on the run from the cia and the secret service and the fbi and i went well that sounds stupid wasn't he the hero in the first two movies it's like if john mcclain in the third die hard movie took over nakatomi cow tower (laughs) steal their bearer bonds (laughs) so i don't know there's just something about it that sounded so dumb that i was like i must I must see these. How how could there be, especially after the horribleness of this second movie, how could they make a third one? And I guess it did well enough to make a third one. Oh, yeah. Its budget was $60 million and worldwide it made over 200 So uh, Well, that'll do it. But apparently the third one is supposed to be much better. This one has an IMDb rating of 5.9. And for a major motion picture to have a score below 6, is uh, that means it's pretty awful. Well... 
So there's that. I, <laughs> I just only, wonder. If only you had known. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of hoped it would be as entertaining as the first. There are there some movies that one... are so bad they're good, and there are some movies that are just bad. Yeah, and this falls into the latter. There yeah, is awesome. one very well done sequence, oh. and it's supposed to look like one continuous shot, kind of shot all on steady cam or maybe dollies through an alley while uh, Gerard Butler and a group of British special forces move through this alley on these terrorists. That's really well done. I was like, wow, I wish the whole movie was as well done as this scene, but it's not. <laughs> the premise of the movie is that they're trying, like, the, all of this was done in order to capture President Aaron Eckhart. And they kill all these other world leaders just because they're there. And President Aaron Eckhart survives the initial assault. He gets to a helicopter, and then they're just flying over London. And they're like, all right, the president's in a helicopter. He's home free. And I'm like, but he's still in a helicopter. Why Why would you put him in the air where, where anyone with a, up there is a guy with a rocket? <laughs> so like, right. people just start shooting rockets at the helicopters from all over London and you're like okay well I guess they're going to get shot down and then they do and then they're on the they're on the run on foot and then at some point they get into the London underground or subway whatever they call it and I'm like why don't you just wait there just wait there <laughs> just stop stop going anywhere you're in the just go into a bathroom <laughs> there's no way that they could find you in this whole city or at one point they're in the tunnels of the subway and i'm like there's no way they can find you while this is going on i thought it would be neat if they established that the president is wearing some sort of tracking device on him and the terrorists have access to it which is how they're they're able to track him down like wherever he goes they're able to find him because in the movie wherever they go they're able to find him no sweat and it's ridiculous like it doesn't make any sense it's so poorly thought out and poorly executed it's it's just obnoxious a lot of violence though but mike banning does get to use his knife but not a lot of skull stabbings like in the first movie he does torture a bunch of people to death with his knife and this movie has a lot more like chest pounding go america-ness to it that the first one didn't have and that's pretty obnoxious at the end he's like punching the terror like the head terrorist guy in the face and he's like you know what you guys have been trying to do this to us for a long time punch in the face but you know what's gonna happen punch in the face a thousand years from now punch in the face we're still gonna be here punch in the face and then the guy with no legs throws a grenade and president aaron eckhart yells grenade and gerard butler dives out of the way and then the terrorist guy gets away <laughs> like what's the point of that whole speech if the terrorist guy gets away uh -huh. and it's just it's stupid it's just dumb it's mindless and not in a fun way like you were saying so yeah. the first one was was stupid in a in kind of a fun way this was stupid in a an unfun way well what a shame <laughs> Uh, Onward to Angel Has Fallen. Yeah, good luck with that one. Wait, what was the was the first one Olympus? Yeah. Oh, gotcha. You know, and, and tangent, but the, the odds that America will be around in a thousand years, not so good. So. Not so good, no. <laughs> not at all. I mean, the odds that any country survives a thousand years, not really that high. There's like four of them. Yeah, yeah. I'd give us less than a lot. <laughs> but anyway, moving on then? Yeah, let's move on. All right. So I've got two preview corners since I saw two movies. I'll just do those right in a row. All right. Uh, first movie doesn't have a oh, wait, wait. made up title. Yes. P -p 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 preview corner. 
Thank you. It felt like we were missing something, and that was it. Usually, corner turns into a question mark, where you're like, preview corner? <laughs> oh, this was the but, remix. I, I see. Uh, we auto-tuned it to the to a exclamation point. <laughs> well, it's it, it works a little bit better than that one time that it was like, uh, a mellow preview corner intro. Preview corner. <laughs> yeah, why not? I, I, I didn't make up a title for the first one because I've seen the preview so many times. I know what it is. It's Birds of Prey. And the only interesting thing from this preview at all is the hyenas. <laughs> and all I just want to do is watch really big hyenas be on the screen. So, you know, no thanks. So I guess that uh, was a new, a new trailer? I don't remember hyenas in the other trailer. They're only in it for like a second or two. Harley Quinn oh, okay. has has two pet hyenas. Uh, yeah. So yeah. then I saw a preview for a movie that was like inspirational movie music, but then it turned into a Blumhouse movie preview. So I was like, oh, oh no. okay, Spring Break movie. I don't know. Oh. But then it it's there's some. It's called Fantasy Island, and uh, you've got couple kids, young you know young adults who man. At that age where I, I call young adults kids. But it's got this sort of like people can go to this island and live out their fantasies. But it's sort of like a monkey's paw kind of thing where you play out your fantasy, but it's twisted in some way. Is it Looks based like on the, the TV show? Oh, no. No, I mean I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't think so because like the main, it looks like the main character. Her fantasy is to get revenge on her bully, and then her bully's getting tortured in front of her, and she's like, "Oh no, this is real. I didn't mean for you to get tortured for real." Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that's. That's that. Then I saw a preview for a movie I called Guy Ritchie movie, and it's called The Gentleman, and it's got Hugh Grant. I, I know I talked about it before. I, it, 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 kind of the same way, of the preview of it. I was like, eh, I don't know. Maybe this will be decent. There's nothing really in the preview that's selling me on it, but I don't know if it's a movie where there's a lot to throw into a preview other than to be like, look, this movie's from Guy Ritchie, so it looks like that. I watched yeah. the preview for it. I think the last time you talked about it, I, l- I l- looked it up. And I was on board. I was like, this looks cool. Yeah, it, it might be fine. I'd, you like Guy Ritchie movies, I think, by default. Uh-huh. Um, and... I'm sort of indifferent. So it, it could be fine. It's just there's the preview doesn't say much other than that it is a Guy Ritchie movie. Like if you were to talk about the plot points, you'd be like, yep, those are plot points that would be in there. Mm-hmm. I guess it kind of makes sense if you're into Guy Ritchie, you'll go, cool, great, another one. <laughs> if you're indifferent, you know, eh, might be fine. And then there's a movie called, what is this is actually called, oh, The Photograph. I don't remember this preview very well. There's a young black couple at the beginning, and there's a photograph of this couple, and I think the girl is trying to... There's a girl in the present who's the daughter of the woman in the photograph, and she's meeting a guy and falling in love. And I I do remember it looked kind of charming. It looked like it might actually be, as far as like a romantic movie, romantic comedy maybe, but I I think more drama than comedy and maybe more realistic than a lot of romance movies are. Like, I I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but I feel like a lot of movies where there's romance in it, if that's the point of the movie and they really want to emphasize that these people are growing to love each other, most movies don't do that well they just kind of throw in a montage and then they're like and now they're in love from the preview it actually looked like they fleshed that out <laughs> so it could be really good i don't know then there was a movie uh 
I I called Amy Adams once an Oscar. And then as I was watching the preview, this movie just was like going off the rails. So Amy Adams is agoraphobic. So she's like kind of sticking to her apartment. And then she's friends with Julianne Moore, falling in love with Julianne Moore. I'm not sure. At one point I was like, is this going to be a, a remake of Single White Female? And then it turns into like Rear Window and she sees Julianne Moore get murdered by her husband. But oh. then it might be hallucinations and i guess the movie's trying to you're watching her trying to get the cops and everybody involved in like who murdered this woman but then a woman shows up and she's like i'm that woman i'm alive that's i'm I'm not what are you talking about and she's not julianne Moore. and Uh so the movie's called the woman in the window and it seems like it's a movie where you're going to wonder, is she imagining all of this or is it real? And I don't know. It looked kind of interesting. Then I saw a preview for a movie I called Stupid Movie, but then it turned <laughs> out to be a commercial for Cadillac. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, let's see. And then I uh, saw another preview for Antebellum. I feel like I really want the preview to actually help me figure out what the plot is at all. So I, I don't have a whole lot to say about that one. So there's a movie called Barb and Star Go to Visit Delmar or Barb and someone in my phone it says stat and I know that can't be right. There was a joke in this preview about how they're not giving away what the movie's about and it's not, but I don't understand why anyone from this preview would want to see this movie all there's a kid singing out loud on his bike with headphones in and then the bottom half or the top half of two middle-aged women's heads talking about movie trailers and it's clearly supposed to be some sort of like self-referential kind of thing but i i don't know what the selling point of the preview was i i i have a hunch that some people out there know who these two foreheads or chins belong to and want to see these women in a movie but i don't know who they are so i just really didn't care which probably means they're from snl or something because i don't watch snl and I feel like that's the sort of thing where people be like, oh, wow, I know these people. And they still aren't going to see them in a movie anyway. So whoever put the money into this, I'm guessing it's going to be down the drain. But that was for one movie. (laughs) Preview Corner for another movie. Uh, These I saw last night. Ryan Reynolds is a boring hero in a video game. It's called Free Guy. Uh-huh. Huh? That, those are my notes. I got no idea what was going on in this movie. Ryan oh, see, I can't wait to see this. I think this movie looks awesome. I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. He's just a an NPC in Grand Theft Auto. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, cool. All right. That makes sense. I, I definitely missed something there. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, then I want to watch that preview again. <laughs> Because that sounds like a fun idea. I was just confused. Yeah, okay. All right. Then I saw a preview for a movie I called More Live Action Animals. And it turned out it is called Doolittle. And it's got that guy that played Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., as Dr. Doolittle. And for some reason, this is a different take on Dr. Doolittle, it looks like. Because it looks more like an epic journey movie than a comedy. And... As an audience member for the preview, I felt just about as interested in this as I was in any of those Alice in Wonderland movies, which is to say, not at all. 
And there's just something about it that felt exactly the same, even though it doesn't have a Tim Burton look to it. Yeah. So the whole time I watched that, that do little preview, I thought, I just want a third Sherlock Holmes movie. Don't give me this. Give me Sherlock, another Sherlock Holmes movie, because I enjoyed those. Yeah, I still never saw the second one of those. There's something about uh, a scene in the preview like, oh, we got Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law cross-dressing, and that doesn't offend me or anything. I just, I'm like, I, that, is that still a joke? A man dressed as a woman? Is that is this still a thing that people think is funny, or that people want me to think is funny? I'm not watching this movie. Uh, so I don't, don't want to remember that part. But I also don't want Doolittle. <laughs> So I'll skip it. And then I saw a preview for a James Bond movie. And I just, James Bond should be (laughs) over falling in love by this point. Like, I understand that each each movie's got to be like, yeah, there's a Bond girl. Which, I don't know, maybe they don't. Because uh, the whole preview is like, oh man, this is all about her. And I'm like, first of all, there have been so many hers. I'm starting to feel like James Bond is not this guy who's like, you know, falling in love against his will because he's a tough dude. I'm like, no, he's falling for fucking everybody. (laughs) Stop. Like, take a year off, dude. And not only that, but even in this preview, there are like three different women they could be talking about. It seems like he's got like a ton of counterparts. Yeah, anyway, it's called No Time to Die, and it just looks... I don't know. Daniel Craig looked like he was bored in the preview, so I'm 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 not interested either. But to be mm. fair, I've never been a James Bond fan, so screw me. Top yeah. Gun Two. I love I love Bond movies, but the last one, Spectre, I did not yeah. care for. But I like Skyfall enough. I think it's gorgeous. So I'm hoping that like Daniel Craig is like in every other Bond is great kind of a guy because his first and his third were quite good and the second and the fourth were pretty terrible yeah you you had me watch the first and second one with daniel craig and the first one was fine second one wasn't good the third one i kind of got from clips that i've seen of it that it's probably i would probably be more interested in than other ones but not enough to watch it top gun 2 you know i got a question (laughs) and i don't know Uh that you would know the answer to this, but do fighter pilots, is that still a thing? Like, do, oh, yeah. do people still chase each other in planes? Because I feel like I never hear about it, and I know drones are big. Like, like now, nah, fighter we... pilots are still a thing. You, like, you don't have a lot of dog fights. Yeah. Because uh, no one's... No one's air force or airplane technology is advanced as ours so like remember that episode of the simpsons where sideshow bob steals the wright brothers plane and the military sets off a bunch of f-14s or whatever to take it down and they just fly past it and they're like target is too slow and so then they're just on foot chasing it with like a stick trying to knock it down that's what the rest of the world is trying to go against a u.s fighter jet so so they're not really like, fighting they're just they're just planes that deliver missiles basically yeah. yeah yeah okay i mean they do go they, like we do have planes in the air like anytime there's like a problem they send up the fighter jets and they're just waiting to stand by like they're ready for action but no one's gonna send up like a jet to fight a a raptor like that's just not gonna happen okay well yeah there's nothing about this movie that has me interested at all and there's a scene where i can't i cannot wait to see it uh, yeah, I know. And there's a scene where, kind of like what you were talking about, where like it's like Target is too slow, where they have Tom Cruise look out the window, quote unquote, as he passes something, and, and it's kind of like you know he's buzzing the tower or something, and 
looking back at them like, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, why is he even looking out the window? <laughs> He's not going to see anything. He's already like three miles past it. Uh-huh. Uh, then I saw a preview for Tenet, which is the same preview I've seen before, but surprised me this time because I thought it already came out. Turns out it doesn't come out till July. Oh, you didn't get the preview with like the actual footage? Because there's like a new trailer that has actual, like it kind of shows you what the movie's about. Oh, no, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, that trailer was kind of cool. Him looking at bullet holes in in a window. Yeah. So you got to see that new trailer. New trailer, I was like, ooh, okay. It's got something to do with controlling time. Like you can rewind time. Yeah, I, I heard someone talking about it and I got that, but... Yeah, nothing from the preview with him and the looking at bullet holes. I saw a preview for Black Widow, and I just it, at this point I'm like, why would I? Now that Endgame has happened, mm-hmm. why? What? I don't feel any interest in any other movies that are setting up the universe. Like I do not need any more prequels. So no thanks. No thanks, Black Widow. And then I saw a preview for a movie that I called Wizard Trolls. Turns out it's actually called Onward. And it's about a troll kid who's trying to revive the top half of his father. What? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It looks dumb. And it's from Pixar and Disney, but it, it looks like it does not have the regular Pixar solid plot going for it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So he's trying to revive or recover or something the top half of his father he gets a magic wand or staff and tries to bring his dad back to life but it's just the bottom half of him so he's got to go rescue the top half yeah what the hell (sighs) and then i saw a preview for a movie that i called girl fight oh my god there's more (laughs) this is the last one this is the last one would you say girl fight yeah but like with a comma so more like girl fight turns uh-huh. out it's actually called mulan and i don't care ah uh, and that's it yeah, i don't i don't care about that either yep i never saw the the cartoon I, I think i stopped watching disney movies like the the cartoons after um probably aladdin mm-hmm. i want to say is probably the the newest one i saw so like i never saw pocahontas never saw mulan didn't want to see lion king and yeah anyway all right so yeah, I never really liked Mulan. Some of the music's pretty good, but I didn't really uh, didn't I didn't work for me. Yeah, I I think I mean honestly, I think my own interest was sort of just like I liked fairy tales, or I was interested in fairy tales. Mm-hmm. That's as far as Disney goes. Oh my! So that was a lot of previews. You're welcome, big ticket. <laughs> he loves preview corner. Well, he got a lot of it. Bombshell. Uh huh. So bombshell is. I've never heard. Oh wait, is this the Fox News movie? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I think this was done by the a lot of the same people as the Big Short, and it, it has a similar feel. Uh, although I feel like this one was kind of tighter than the Big Short. So what this movie is about is it, it, it focuses, I guess, primarily on. The accusations against Roger Ailes, the guy that sort of developed Fox News for the Murdochs, and his sexual assaults and sexual harassment and stuff of a few different women, well, a lot of women in the Fox News setting. But it's it's also about the whole culture there at Fox News, but it's also about the whole culture of misogyny and stuff in America. Uh, Okay. And this stars Nicole Kidman as Gretchen Carlson, Margot Robbie as 
Kayla Pospisil, who I I believe is a sort of a character that's a a mashup of different women who are known to have had terrible experiences at Fox News, and Charlize Theron as Megyn Kelly. Kate McKinnon's also in this, and John Lithgow plays Roger Ailes, and these people do such a good job. The acting in this movie is amazing i like the movie itself but i gotta say like the the strongest point is the acting and especially Charlize theron and margot robbie i was kind of on the fence with margot robbie and part of that is just that i guess that the, all this like harley quinn stuff's just choking me at this point and i don't think she's actually really into it but you know i i, I liked her well enough in once upon a time in hollywood but she didn't have a lot of screen time. She does a really, really good job in this. Charlize Theron, I've I've kind of always had a lot of respect for, but she does a, such a kick-ass job too. At first, it seems like for the first few minutes anyway, I'm like, man, she's really like putting on a voice. But then I realized that she's, she's just doing a really good job kind of imitating Megyn Kelly. Uh, this movie, it, it does a lot of, there's there's a little bit of, of imagery or kind of hinting or, or ways of taking little scenes and, and making them extra symbolic that's a little bit too on the nose here and there. But at the same time, like they do have these scenes built in that incorporate a lot of what I would imagine it's like to be a woman in and and that's me going out on a limb, but you know, in, in a man's world where they can get away with everything and women are having to navigate lots of shitty situations in ways that it's kind of demanded of them that they navigate men's behavior in a way that doesn't upset the men, you know? So like if you're, and you get to hear some of the thoughts from certain characters as they're trying to navigate these things, like, okay, how do I do this so that I don't hurt his feelings and so that I don't offend him and trying to just do things in such a way that it's extra polite, but gets them out of the situation. And they, I don't this movie just does a really good job of incorporating a lot of different experiences into these sort of compact scenes. The actually, the, the, I, I don't know the guy's name, but you remember the movie Creep? Yeah, Charlize Theron's husband is the guy that was Creep. <laughs> That's kind of a tangential thought there, but he's in it too. It's uh, Mark something, isn't it? Mark Duplass. Oh yeah, that sounds right. And even there, even with her husband, who's actually a pretty supportive guy, you actually get to see her having some trouble navigating these different expectations too, where like he wants her to stand up to Trump because she was doing some interviews with him where she was sort of confronting him about some things. And, you know, of course he got all butthurt about it and, and, uh, you know, everyone got on her back because the world is crazy right now. And so like her husband's sort of supportive, but then it's sometimes he's putting pressure on her too. And I, I don't know, man, it's, this movie just like really does a good job of putting you in her shoes. Nicole Kidman, I, I, I'm, I've always been kind of like lukewarm to Nicole Kidman. She does a fine job. It's, I don't know. It, it, it's good. Her character's not the most interesting one in the movie. I guess there's, there's not a whole lot more for me to say. I don't know if there's a lot I necessarily need to spell out about the plot. The women at Fox News basically trying to figure out how to navigate 
when to try to confront things and all of the just tons of different pulls there are on a woman in these sorts of positions. And it was really, really well done. I don't know that you necessarily need to see it in the theater as far as like imagery that's going to look amazing on screen, but I was happy I saw it and um, I would not hesitate to recommend it at all. In right. fact, yeah. I think most people should watch this movie, especially men. Uh, you know, it, it, and I'm not trying to say that like all of us are idiots or anything like that, but in terms of just having a movie that can take something that we kind of at our best moments understand in an abstract way and make it a bit more tangible, kind of help you really like not just understand what it might be like to be in a woman's shoes, but actually like feel it a little bit more. This movie does a really good job of it. I'm not sure if I can support your women aren't allowed to watch movies thing, but I, I see where you're coming from. Well, you know, <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> <Never> <laughs> okay. Yeah. It looks quite good. I was interested in seeing it. I won't see it in theaters. I, I probably won't see it for a very long time. I still haven't seen the big short, which I, which I was really interested in seeing. Well, I'd, I'd say then, watch this one first. One. And, and, and if you do, if you do like it, um, it might, give you more motivation to watch the big short Hmm. well then that brings me to the second movie that i watched this week called code eight it's from 2019 it is directed by jeff chan it stars stephen amell who i only know as green arrow from the show arrow robbie amell who i'm sure i've seen in something else but i looked at his his imdb and i couldn't picture anything he might just look like someone that's basically it for the cast this basically tells the story of i guess you could call it a a parallel universe to our own where people have superpowers and it starts off with this montage of newsreel footage from like from the 30s and then it goes onward like every five years you see a new newsreel footage where it's like people with powers bring them to london or liberty city or whatever the name of this this city that they're they're in they say it like a hundred times what the name of the city is and i cannot remember it so of course that's what it is but it's like lc or whatever and they're they're like come come help us build lc into a utopia it's basically analogous to the rise of automobile manufacturing in the early or mid 20th century where all these people moved to the to the Detroit area and all those big auto factories and they build up those factories and they use these people's powers like some people are can control electricity other people can melt metal with their hands some people are telekinetic the whole gamut of superpowers and they use these guys to make buildings and construction and and manufacturing all that stuff and so like as we get into modern times which is where the story picks up is that a lot of these people have been laid off because the automation and much of the reason that people are laid off now is that we just don't need the manpower to run the factory like we used to. So these people are out of work and they're also ostracized where the people who don't have powers are growing increasingly fearful of the powered people and they want them banned from society or just removed from society. So it's like about civil rights in a way too. That's where the movie starts basically is in the not too distant future where the police run a very sophisticated surveillance state i guess where there are always drones in the sky much like upgrade where the the police are kind of omnipresent but you can get around it crime still exists 
But they also have, uh, in addition to regular police officers, they have these robot police officers, which look like those Boston dynamic dog cops that are becoming a thing. Like they just, they're just robot cops. But they don't really play a huge part of the story, which is what I thought the movie was about, was robot cops. When I went to watch this, I was like, ooh, a movie about robot cops. I love RoboCops. And it's about superheroes or superpowered beings. But anyway, we follow the main character of the movie is a guy by the name of Mike no, Connor. His name is Connor. And he has uh, the power to control electricity. His mom is, she's older and she's very sick, but she can control ice. Like she's like Iceman or whatever. And they're very much in debt. And basically he's at the end of his rope with her medical bills and she's getting like fired from her job or taken advantage of at her job and things aren't going well for them. So basically he's like a good guy who kind of turns to crime and basically it turns into the movie of how this guy becomes a supervillain. And I loved it. I thought this movie was awesome. I thought it was, I thought it was great. There's a few parts here and there where you're like, come on, where it falls a little flat. But for the most part, I thought this movie was kick ass. The special effects are very inexpensively done but they look great for a very low budget movie the acting is is really quite good the action sequences are pretty well done the robot cops look fantastic like i guess I, they must just be guys in suits because but like the head i don't know how they did that it looked great the movie looks great the plot works it's very compelling and it makes you kind of you know it's a movie that makes you think a little bit about modern times and there's people with superpowers and the guys become a bad guy and he doesn't really want to be a bad guy but he's got bills to pay and it's uh it's pretty good i liked it i liked it quite a bit i would i highly recommend it it's not about robot cops which is what i thought it was about <laughs> superpowers was like like when the first starts off the first thing they're talking about is super pe- people with superpowers come to london city be a superhero here help us build a tower and i'm like what and then it goes on and you're like oh okay and the dude who plays green arrow he's quite good in it the bad guy in the movie i'm pretty sure i've seen him in another thing greg brick i can't think of what else he's been in though he's pretty good there's these two guys there's like two cops in the movie two human cops and uh one of them is like the good cop and the other guy's a bad cop bad cop you could get rid of he's just there to i think take up space but good cop is a good cop and yeah yeah, it's 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 a pretty solid movie it's not the the best thing ever but it was pretty good does feel really long though it's only an hour and a half and it feels much longer so it's got some pretty slow parts but kind of let it go a little bit i think i liked it yeah yeah if you're looking if you're looking for something a little offbeat check out code eight it was pretty entertaining i liked it quite a bit well that's that's pretty good given that it disappointed you to not be watching robocop (laughs) but you still (laughs) you still enjoyed yourself that's a good sign and when the robocops showed up i was always like "Ooh, robocops and they're sort of effective (laughs) <laughs> like they drop from these drones like they'll just say unleash the guardians and that's what the robo cops are and they'll drop from the sky and then they're just like patrolling the city like you can't see me but i'm going left to right with a machine gun ah and of course you know they're heartless killing machines like robots are supposed to be it's a it's a glimpse into the not too distant future where where men are working side by side with heartless killing robots that sounds right. <laughs> I read an article recently that said that the De- U.S. Department of Defense did a big study into 
basically robot technology. And they said the primary detrimental factor to widespread adoption to robot soldiers and police officers is science fiction and that the u.s government needs to invest heavily into counter education to re-educate the people into not being afraid of the robot cops that are coming isn't that usually part of the science fiction that's usually what the movie's about that's exactly what i was thinking do not fear your robot overlords they are here to help we're here to help get on the ground present hall pass (laughs) So onward? Onward. Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, now, right. First question, does the scroll usually have four ellipses where it says long, what? long ago in a, in a galaxy far, far away, dot, 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 dot? Hang on. I can find out real quick. Well, they did here. I thought that was kind of strange. According to the first picture that popped up, four ellipses. All right. Yeah. So I will discuss this without spoiling anything. And so I'm just going to have to explain how things are. Now, you might think, Matt, can't you just describe the plot? And the answer is no. <laughs> uh, there's not a whole lot of it here. This movie was probably, uh, you know what? I didn't l- look up the time, but I want to say maybe two and a half hours. Anyway, I want to guess then. It's probably about two and a half hours. I would say of that, probably two hours of it then is completely pointless. Really? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, oh, man, this, this movie's quite a ride. The pace especially for the first like hour it's just insane it's not watching a movie it's watching scenes uh, or it's it's kind of like watching a bunch of previews at once because it's just one scene after another it's just like here's a thing that happened here's another thing that happened here's something else and it's it's just the fastest relentless most relentless pace there's no room for anything to breathe and it's just too much it's uh, like a half hour into the movie, I was just like, this movie's annoying. And and actually, I think it was probably sooner than that. It might have been like the first 15 minutes or so. And that's really just this wild pace. It, the, for the first half hour, definitely the dialogue and the events and even the music are too much. Like the music in this movie is not bad. But for the first half hour, it's like, man, do we need swelling trumpets and brass instruments just for like every line of dialogue? Mm-hmm. Everything... Every shot seems to think it's really important. And that's really problematic in a movie where nothing matters. Nothing matters. Each thing that happens is just taken away immediately. So do you remember at the beginning of LA Confidential where there's the voiceover from Danny DeVito and he's like, is it these guys who are doing the stuff? And then you see them get shot and he's like, nope. <laughs> is it these other dudes? <laughs> Guess not. That's this movie nonstop where it's just like each thing that happens doesn't matter at all, whether it's positive or negative. It's like, wow, now they have that thing. This should be great. Oh, nope, that's taken away. Wait, oh, something terrible just happened. Oh, well, it's already fixed. By the time you've started to respond to the last plot point, it's taken away. Mm -hmm. Just one time after another to the point that about... Maybe halfway through the movie, I just started predicting things like, okay, well, this is going to be solved in the next 30 seconds. And it was, it'd be taken out. And it's very convenient too, where it's like, say you were like, Matt, my car just broke down. I'd go, doesn't matter. You're going to have one, another one in a second. Here's a car. 
that's this movie. In fact, there was one moment where I was writing down a note about this, uh, where it said, every time a convenience happens, and then, of course, there's another. And I can't fill in the dots on any of these things, because then I'd be spoiling stuff. But think of anything that might be in a Star Wars movie. It's like, yeah, there's going to be another one. As I was writing that note down about a thing that had just happened, another thing happened just like that while I was writing the note. And it didn't take Mm -hmm. me that long to write it out. Oh, man. About an hour and 20 minutes into it, I was thinking about leaving. I was just like, maybe I should just really. Oh, this is this is a waste of time. Um, wow. I, I didn't. I wasn't quite as pissed off as I was in like Batman versus Superman or Solo. Uh-huh. And I wasn't bored. I just I wasn't really enjoying it because it was it was kind of like drinking concentrate. You know, like if you were just to take one of those like orange juice concentrate tubes, melt it and guzzle it like a half pound Cadbury egg. That's what this movie is. It's a, it's a half pound Cadbury egg. There's Ugh. nothing substantial about it. And it's too much. It's beautiful. I'll give it that. There's tons of imagery that's just, if you can shut your brain off and just look at screen, that's great. But it's kind of like, it it feels a bit like there was a four-hour movie that got edited with a broken weed whacker, and (laughs) what you've got is just these bits of film reel that were left, which is a real shame because, honestly, there is a good story somewhere in it. And I'll tell you what it is, actually. The only parts of this movie that I was actually enjoying were Ray and Kylo Ren. Anything where they're interacting with each other that has to do with each other was actually still good. That's kind of what I was hoping for. It's just probably altogether 10 minutes or so of the movie. And Mm -hmm. the rest of it's just stuff. I I mean, like the Poe is annoying. Oscar Isaac and the character, they're both annoying. A lot of the character, a lot of the dialogue's annoying. The MacGuffins in this movie, there's literally a moment where they have to, they need a thing to get to a thing to get to a thing. And I'm not joking. It's it's just, it's weird. It's really weird. Even the action scenes, like nothing gets to build. Nothing has enough time to, to breathe or to like rise in action. There's a point where something's going on and, and John Boyega, I'm pretty sure like was accidentally filmed rolling his eyes <laughs> at the dialogue where it's like, here's this thing happening. And, he's, and he just looks like, of course, there's another thing happening whatever and i guess i I could make the same point over and over again and i don't don't really mean to do that but i am pretty sure that when you see it you'll be having that experience where you're like can you really do this this many times Uh, yeah there are a couple moments where it's like that's obviously there just to sell a toy characters will get introduced and or ideas will get introduced and you're like okay so i guess that'll happen again later you know the second or third act although those Mm -hmm. usually it's like that'll happen later in the second or third act and it's like two minutes later right anything like lightsaber action is at this weird super plotted out pace where it's like you can watch it and just kind of lean back and forth going like it's just this steady quarter beat kind of thing mm-hmm. or maybe like half half beat um or no no what's it half note yeah so like right. two quarters it, it's it's just weird like the lightsaber battle i'm like these people are supposed to be like really really kick-ass with these lightsabers and they're just taking a swing on every tick of the clock it's not good writing so they have to tell you about a million times like it, the phrase 
if this mission fails, dot, 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 is used like probably a hundred times. And there was a moment, and I, and I tried really hard to figure out how I could explain this without spoiling something. I still don't quite know how to do it. So there's a moment where I wrote to myself, what? Know something? And so if this were like a Matrix movie, how about if I were to say... You know how in the in the second Matrix movie they kind of hint at like they're sort of those two white ghosty kind of guys, mm-hmm. the twins. Yeah, if you were to like see that, and then that there's some sort of hints of like someone being kind of vampire like, and you were to go, what? No werewolves? And then all of a sudden a werewolf were to show up. Uh-huh. I did that with this movie, except it was a reference back to something stupid that's in other movies, and I went, what? None of those? I mean, this is already dumb. Why not throw those in here too? And I swear to God, about 10 minutes later, there they are. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so here, here's what's good about this movie. The imagery, Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver. The second half of the movie has that stuff in it. That, like, that's where it is. And so the second half's definitely better than the first half. And then there's one little character, like this little dude that's about as maybe as big as a human hand, who's fun everything else about this movie sucks wow it's just it's it's weird man the second movie i i liked the last jedi a lot but i didn't like the whole plot where they went to the other planet and i could just if i ever you know whenever i watch that again i'm just gonna skip that part like i'm just gonna fast forward through the whole finn and rose go to gambling planet I'm just going to fast forward through it and then I'm going to love the movie. This is like the opposite of that, where there's a little bit of something good stuck in the midst of just a fire hose of randomly thrown. You know, when people say like the idea of like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. They just like threw everything at the wall. And before anything could fall off, they were like, quick, get a picture of it. Now make it two and a half hours long. And so the good stuff is just this little chunk that's lost because it's drowning and all of that. I can't say I was bored, though, because it is so fast and so much. But boy, is it strange. So I don't know that you can't enjoy it. I did get the sense that there's probably for people who like read star wars books and stuff like that some of these things that seem completely random are probably like i don't know characters that are in a comic book or something so maybe they'll do something for other people but boy was this a strange experience i'm gonna make a strange recommendation here though and that is that you chip in like you you throw the extra money at it to see it in the theater on imax because the visuals can be so so gorgeous in some scenes. That's kind of the only way to watch it. That said, I uh, I can't say people should put more money into these Star Wars movies because they're just going to keep doing them so lazily if we just see everything. And it's kind of a shame because, you know, like Rogue One, which I don't think did as well as the whatever you call like the main plot that i thought was a good movie and it didn't do as well and then these these other the main ones can just they could just keep making them and printing money and people will probably keep going to the theater to see them but boy i just want them to stop (laughs) i i i I wouldn't mind if they did some more of those side projects like rogue one and maybe put one out every like maybe four or five years rather than in such rapid succession i haven't watched the mandalorian so i don't really know other than baby yoda what's going on there but man this was this is a really really chaotic way to 
wrap up this trilogy or the nineology. And right. that's all. And that's all I have. That's all I got to say about it. Okay. Well, that does not make me want to see it any more than I already don't want to see it. But I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna see it. I just I, haven't had time. But maybe. But like, <laughs> I love the. If you're gonna see it, see it in IMAX. But don't go see it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it in 3D. I kind of wish I had. <laughs> I don't know. It's such a weird experience, man. So strange. And I really, I really super don't have a sense of what a real Star Wars fan might feel about it. Mm -hmm. I know it's not getting great reviews, but I don't know if that's from the fans or not. Yeah, I don't know. I've kind of, I've kind of avoided everything about it. I've been lucky at work. We've got like a deadline of the first of the year to see it, uh, and then all bets are off. And then like all the spoilers happen. Yeah, then people don't have to watch what they say anymore. Yeah, I, I look uh, forward to that conversation. <laughs> Once you see it, I'll be happy to be able to talk about some of the things that are uh, that I had to dance around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to this week's movie ranking list update. I have placed my movies, so I'll go first. Up first, Code 8. I'm going to put below Iron Man 3, which is in a ridiculously low spot. Like, I hate why wow. Iron Man 3 is on this list. It's going in the new number 35 spot, underneath Iron Man 3, but above Birds of Passage. I'm going to give it three and a half stars. I was kind of torn between three and three and a half, and I was like, you know what? You get the extra half movie. Good job. And I would recommend it. I would check it. I would say check it out. It was, it was cool. And then at the other end of the list, London has fallen in, fallen in position 108 underneath Dark Phoenix, but above Mrs. Claus. I'm going to give this movie one star. I was going to give it half a star, but I was thinking about that one sequence that I liked and I was like, that was pretty well done. So you get a half a star for that, but I do not recommend it. Do not watch this movie. <laughs> this was terrible. So that's my list. All right, man. As I am put, uh, I put things in my list earlier, but then I'm having to move them around. It's, it's definitely clear that like what, if I like a movie, it goes a little too high. <laughs> if I put it in here sh- shortly after I've seen it, if I don't like it, it probably goes a little too low. There's like definitely a sort of regression to the mean kind of thing. And before I talked about it, I put bombshell one, two, three, four, five. Five places lower <laughs> than I than I'm putting it now that I've talked about it, so it's going higher. Actually, the first one on here, though, if we start at the top, it's going to be a Christmas story, and that's going to oh, go okay. right between Raiders of the Lost Ark and Ad Astra in oh, my wow. three slot. Wow, all the way up there. Yeah, it's just so perfectly done, and I do mean that. I have no complaints about this movie, and so it's getting five stars. Five big ones. Yeah. All right. And that's a total recommend. Absolutely. That's your second five-star, official five-star rated movie. Yeah. Unofficially, I'd like to read five-star LA Confidential. (laughs) And then Bombshell is going to go in between Inside Out and Dr. Sleep. Wow. Another top tenner. Yeah. Dr. Sleep being one of those movies that probably got rated a little higher than it should have. But, you know, (laughs) so what? I guess. So Bombshell. I... I'm going to go four and a half stars on Bombshell. Four and a half. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm guessing that means it's a recommend. Yeah. Super recommend. And way down the list. <laughs> Let me guess. Good luck. Is it better than The Boy? Where is The Boy? Oh, my God. Number gosh. 84. See, now this is where <laughs> this, is, this is where this 
the the regression to the mean thing is a real issue for the movies I haven't liked either because it's going way higher than it should in some ways. And the reason is, I was looking at things and I'm like, well, you know, I've talked so much since seeing Blazing Saddles about Blazing Saddles. I almost want to talk about it more like it's it's a better movie than I experienced it as. You know, uh-huh. like I'm like, all right, I'll give it credit for what it does. But I still just thought the humor was shit. And uh-huh. so, you know, like, whatever, it probably belongs where it is. But Star Wars Rise of Skywalker <laughs> happens to include, and I, I hate that that's the truest way to say it, happens to include a storyline I like. <laughs> and that is the Kylo Ren Ray stuff. I, I really like what they've done with those characters. I like the performances. So because of that, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker is going higher than I it probably should. Then again, it's below scary stories to tell in the dark. So, you know what? Fine. It belongs where it is. It's between Dragons 3 and Bird Box. Wow. Better than Bird Box. Yeah, you know why? Because it had something to offer. And Bird Box really didn't. So again, this movie's... If it didn't have the the 10 or 15 minutes of scenes with Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley, it would be way lower than it is. Way lower. I I would have no problem putting it well below the boy. But it does have that stuff. So, yeah. It's going between Dragons 3 and Bird Box. Oh, my God. What to give it in terms of stars. Shit. This is in your number 68 spot for those inquiring to know. Hmm. I'm going to give it, for visuals and acting, and that bit of story, two stars. Two stars. Wow, so you wanted to go lower. Oh, yeah. It, uh, seriously, if it weren't for those things, it would it would ha- it would be nothing. It wouldn't be a movie. It would just be a hodgepodge of, of scenes. Yeah, almost like the shortest shorts ever. Yeah, so uh, no, I'm not going to recommend it. But if you see it, see it on an IMAX (laughs) screen. (laughs) Don't see it, but if you do, spend the most money possible. (laughs) You have to. (laughs) If it weren't for like some scenes where I'm like, wow, the rumbling of the speakers make me feel like I'm in the middle of an ocean type thing, then I probably would have been like, man, this is flat. (laughs) You know? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Don't see it, but you do. If you'd like to see our list, you can find a link to it on our website, thisweekinfilm.com. Send us an email saying what you saw this week at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com. And you can get in touch with us on all the social networks. Matt, anything for Midwest Matt recommends this week? Yeah. To Nick, I'm going to (laughs) recommend It Follows and Get Out. To the rest of you, this is kind of a a soft recommend, but if you enjoy Watchmen at all, like the graphic novel or maybe even the movie from, I don't know, a decade or so ago, the HBO show Watchmen, it's kind of strange and it's interesting. So I, I, if you're not into Watchmen at all, I don't this is I don't know that I'd recommend it. But if you are into it at all, it's a pretty cool ride. So check that out if you can. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I'm hoping to watch it soon. Yeah, I, I sort of gave the first one a shot, uh, like the first episode a shot, just because I didn't want to watch a whole movie and ended up binging the show. And I don't really watch much TV, so that's enough to say it, it'll keep you guessing. Okay. And curious. Yeah. All right, great. Well, if that is the end of the reel, we will see you 
next week in film. Judge Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Here y'all. Go, 2020, you made it. <laughs> <laughs>